Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 57 of the Coach Fury Podcast. Today's guest is my buddy from New Jersey, a fellow master RKC instructor, the owner of American Eagle MMA and Kettlebells, which just amazingly celebrated its 30th year in business. Congrats. That is the Kettlebell King himself, Phil Ross. And Phil's got a cool thing happening. This Wednesday at 10 p.m., he's going to be featured in a show on history, formerly known as the History Channel, called Forged in Fire, Knife or Death. And it's a uh, blade competition show hosted by former WCW and WWE superstar Bill Goldberg. And Phil's one of the competitors in the show. So that is Wednesday, 10 p.m., October 3rd on History. Check that out and support Phil. Before we get into the Phil episode, let's talk about some things going on in Fury Industries. Hey, I'm going to have, for the month of October, my birthday month, a sale on online training. Uh, it's a three-month minimum. I'm going to give you 25% off your first month to any new Die Mighty Online members. Now, here's the thing. If you listen to this show, I'm not looking for a huge roster of people, so I'm only going to have five spots. That's not a tactic. I'm just going to open up five spots because when it gets crowded, more crowded than that, I don't enjoy it, and I feel like the work starts to suffer for the other people I'm training. So 25% off your first month. Get the details at coachfury.com slash online sale. Cool? Check that out. Hey, if you want to buy some merch, right? We have New Die Mighty Tees. We have Coach Fury Podcast, where fitness and geekdom collide tees. Head on over to teespring, T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com backslash stores backslash fury dash industries. Or just check out the link on the details of this show so you don't have to remember all that. And you could buy Die Mighty Tees and Coach Fury Podcast Tees. And I don't ask for this often, but if you would like to support the show in any way, and if everybody just donated a dollar an episode, this would be a game changer. I need to get uh, a new computer. Basically, this show is clogging up my old laptop, even with taking shows off. It's just my computer's getting older. I'm trying to do cooler stuff with this show. So if you could support the show, uh, again, as much as or as little as a dollar an episode or five bucks a month, whatever you want to do, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash coachfurypodcast, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash coachfurypodcast, and see what you can spare. It's really appreciated. The new mic that you're talking to is by my current patrons. Thanks, guys. Uh, and every dollar helps. It really does. Um, don't think that your donation might be too small. So I appreciate that. I hate asking for money. I'm going to keep doing it. But I, I sort of do need to do and get a new laptop. And the money would go to that. So enough of that shilling. Course is coming up. Original Strength is happening Sunday, January 13th at Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery. Come and learn how to uh, just move better in a very easy fashion by tapping back into the developmental sequence, and that is what we call pressing reset. On March 2nd and 3rd, the RKC returns to New York at Momentum Fitness, and on March 10th, the HKC one-day kettlebell certification hits Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery, and the rest of the year is starting to build out from this. Anyway, that's what's going on in the world of Fury. Let's get on to this episode. It's 57 with Master RKC, Phil Ross. Listeners, we're speaking with my buddy, 
Phil Ross, Master RKC, uh, creator of the Survival Strong program, creator, uh, writer of Ferocious Fitness, soon to be on TV, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But Phil's like it has an interesting role in my life that I don't even know if Phil fully realizes the sort of weird chain of events that have happened in my life through meeting Phil. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell this story before we all talk, talk together. And I'm actually going to just adjust one thing real quick. So I'm at Five Points Academy and I'm set to assist at the second primal move certification through Dragon Door. And this is sort of as the switch, the split between RKC and SFG had happened. Primal move was sort of like a unfortunate timed launch because it, it launched and then the split happened and the creator, Peter Lakatosh, was involved with, with Strong First. So I was, anyway, I was set to assist at the second Primal Move and uh, uh, a call went out for help for, uh, for an assistant because Phil suddenly, and I hadn't known Phil, um, like the last minute, something I think happened with your wife and she couldn't assist and you needed some help. So I'm like, you know what? There's other people at this course at Primal Move and I, I was very interested in where what, what was going to go on with the RKC, you know, during that time, because I was I was most of my teachers that I had known were all staying with SFG. And I went and I assisted Phil and because basically I wanted to meet Phil and, and just help somebody out. And Phil's a great dude. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have a chat with him. And but what also happened at that course is uh, I met Adrian and, and Jen Frankel at the time now, Jen, Jen Bullock and they would then start to train with me after that course for their RKC certification. And Jen was actually, they both of them, but Jen a little bit more directly were the connection for Mark Fisher Fitness. I had never heard of Mark Fisher Fitness until I met them. And they were like, you and Mark would get along. You should do workshops there. You guys, you know, and she started telling me all the stories of like, you know, the raunchy cues and stuff that they use. And I, I couldn't put it in my head what this was coming from a martial arts gym. Yeah. And Inevitably met Mark, fell in love with the guy, did a workshop there and ended up being staff years later. And I had friends like Kareen over there. Um, there was a few people that I actually ended up training uh, outside of that course. And so it was just like this random one that ended up, uh, you know, this weird chain of events happened from that one. So oddly, I'm grateful for you. Uh, and whatever mishap had befallen your wife that day. <laughs> You're kind of good, kind of happy. <laughs> yeah, it kind of worked out. You know, everybody's fine, by the way, folks. Right. Yeah, everybody's fine. Everybody's fine. It was, but it was, fine. It was like a kind of a personal thing that happened with her. So we'll bring that all along. Yeah, we'll leave that off. But it was uh, so so very grateful. And, and you know, Phil and I have, uh, I got to, when I finally did end up taking a leadership position at the RKC, uh, as a senior, I got to teach along with Phil for the first one. And we've gotten to travel together and go to the Dragon Door Health and Strengths and just become bodies, hang out at the Cavallos, just, just uh, and after courses and stuff. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. And uh, please know that, you know, one of the things that helped guide me to deciding to sort of come back to the RKC and take the position is like you were one of the people. There were a handful of people because literally at that time, there was such a, 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 a move to Strong First that oh, yeah. all the direct teachers that I had worked with had, had gone over there with, with, uh, actually almost with no exception. Yeah, uh, so it was really cool to start to really meet everybody and get to know where they're at. Yeah. Except Kenneth, Kenneth J. Cause he had already left the, uh, yeah, he had already left. Uh, and it was, you know, it's interesting now coming back out of that time and just being like, it felt like such a big deal in a way. And I know from business yeah. perspectives on both front, both fronts, it was, but just in terms of like the weirdness of like, is this the right move? It's like, fuck yeah, it was the right. Move. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> There's no, there's no way I'd ever look back and, and, and I'll tell you, I'm happy with my decision and I'm, I'm, I would make it again. 
Yeah, I'm so it's such a uh, it's such a treat to be able to teach for uh, for them in a way that uh, I, I don't know if I would have found with any group, regardless of if it, even if it was just the strong first cats, if any other sort of kettlebell certification had come in. I mean, well, we, we had it. If strength matters come in, it's like there's just something special about the crew we have. So yeah. cheers on that one. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that worked out. <laughs> let's talk about let's get to this TV show. So okay. uh, Phil's going to be on a show on history yes. on the television network history. Yes. And it's called uh, Forged in Fire, Knife or Death, Season yes. 2. Yes. Right? Season Which is kicking off October 3rd. Yes. I'm going to say that again because I'm going to make the yeah. – I'm not going to name him because I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm busting on him anyway. But your PR – the PR guy for History Channel, super – history. Sorry, history, history. Super nice guy. And uh, so it's Forged in Fire, Knife or Death, Season 2 on History yeah. starting October 3rd. And the coolest thing aside from you being on that, it's Bill friggin' Goldberg. Oh, I, I love that guy. Can I, can, I, can I really tell you – I mean, like, holy cow. Now, listen, and, and there's a reason that they're, they're being so – tight-lipped on this. They poured a ton of money into the show, and I'll tell you why. Number one, and Goldberg told me all this stuff. He is so cool. We will get into talking about him. I love that guy. All right, cool. Um, the What happened was see, uh, the, the, the pilot, season one, was the second highest rated show on the History Channel. Wow. Um, and Forge and Fire was one, which I've been a Forge and Fire fan forever. And I was, I've been watching like crazy and I can't do any of it, but I just think it's really cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I can't make anything like that. I have no skill set there. So, um, and this came out of it. It was second rated. So they, they dumped a ton of money into this project. I mean, a ton and they're hedging all kinds of bets. I mean, so when we were down there, man, they filmed season two, season three. They're, they're good to go, man. They're, they're, they're putting tons into it. Um, did you see the commercial that's out on history? I did. You sent me the link of it. It's, it's really slick. From, so from coming from a post-production background like myself, like it is slick looking, well cut, nice oh, graphics. For the listeners, ex- explain like what's the premise of the show? Okay. Basically, think of it like American Ninja with a knife. American Ninja Warrior with a knife. So they put you through um, a series of tasks and you're timed. And if you mess them up, there's penalties. And then you're assessed like, I think it's 30 seconds per penalty. So you could blow through it. But if you mess up a couple of times, you get a whole minute or you know, minute 30 or two minutes added to your score. And that may bump you out. Um, and then after that, the top two guys from that go in the final. Oh, wow. For that episode. Now, all the people from the finals of the episode go into the grand finale. Okay, cool. So there's, uh, I mean, it's a whole season. It's it's really cool. A lot of great personality. So I can't I can't spoil this and just ask how you did. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't tell you. So, but uh, I, you know, it's it was. I'll tell you what. It was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life, and I hope I can ask back again. I, I know that yes. you there on the social medias for a while. I was like, Phil's just like cutting stuff like right. why like, what's wrong with rapid that? drills of you yeah. cutting stuff up and i was like what's going on over there and now it totally makes sense but it was like the training like you ever see that keanu reeves video that went viral of him training for john wick 2 at the gun range yeah yeah, yeah. it was like that but with knives nice. <laughs> I, I, look i i you know I, i'm in the, i i i figured that the that the the talent was going to be was going to be better and i figured that uh the challenges were going to be tougher and I, I've never done a cutting competition. I mean, I've been using a knife for my whole life, and I've been using a kukri for over 30 years. Um, 
but I never did these chopping, cutting competitions. And now they had guys who are world champions. And so one guy is a seven-time world champ I'm going against. I had no idea that that was even a thing. Neither did I. (laughs) No idea. No no idea. And I'm sure that, like, the world championship is not that big. But there's people that do it in Japan, China, wherever. There's all kinds of places. People come from all over the world for these competitions. You know, I don't know anything about it. Um, But, you know, I got an education. And then, you know, what I did was I watched the other shows. And I just kept, I, I, I tallied how many cuts it took. And I saw what techniques worked and what didn't. I practiced them. I mean, I learned how to cut a hemp rope. Um, and I, it just, I, I take a one-inch hemp rope when it's not even, you know, you see it on Instagram, where it's not tethered down, just hanging out. I slice it in half. Um, I throw apples in the air, cut them in half. Like on the commercial, that pineapple that gets cut, there's a guy cutting pineapples and a single one. That's me cutting the pineapple. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. you, you can't see me, but. But you can see me in the other thing. I'm actually cutting an octopus. In that other one. Oh, I'm excited to watch it. So it's coming out soon, folks. Do you know? Do you know what episode in you are? Are you on the first one? Or? I can't. I can't say. Oh. I have, I have my suspicion. I okay. have my suspicions, but um, that's another thing I can't really say. Well, so. let let tell tell them. We'll get it. We'll we'll, uh, we'll repeat it at the end. But what's yeah. your Instagram so people can go and look at the videos? Kettlebell underscore king. Yeah, subtle. <laughs> Real subtle. You know, you, know, you know, I got that name, right? No. Okay, here's what happened. Uh, when I first started doing kettlebells and I got certified, um, nobody knew what the hell they were. Nobody. So I'm slinging these kettlebells, and uh, one of my guys, a, a buddy from high school from wrestling, you know, I was talking, you know, big in the wrestling community here, and he says to me, uh, he goes, wow, he goes, you're like the kettlebell king. I'm like, <laughs> So a quick one on GoDaddy, and I bought it. I've been offered like up to ten grand for that name. Yeah, and I said no. Now you're going to see another one of URL that I bought because I use a Kukri. Okay, so what do you think I call? What do you think I bought now? Kukri King, and King Kukri because we're coming out with a King Kukri. They, I'm working with um, Aldo Bruno. He's uh, the 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 Baron, the Knife Baron. This nice. guy, is, this guy is awesome. He's just like, this guy is a trip, man. He's just a, he's only like five years older than me, um, no, four years older than me. But he's like this gruff guy, Jersey guy who was a plumber. Right? <laughs> and, he, right? and in 19, 20 years ago, when uh, the, um, but he did, he made knives on the side like for fun, and then the uh, Bethlehem Steel shut down. He went down there and bought all their steel for 20 cents on the dollar. Oh, wow. Warehoused it in a town right down the street from me or uh, in Hawthorne. And, and he just started developing steels. And then he became the hub for every bladesmith to get steel from. And he's developed some steels. He's probably worked with, uh, you know, our buddy John Hines from... He, he's, he's a blacksmith. Probably has. They, 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 it's a very small community. They all know each other. I mean, the guy Travis Wirtz, on the, the, the blade expert on the show, I mean, he's been to the shop. He's, you know, they, they worked with each other you know, a bunch of times. Um, well, a very, very small-knit community, and uh, these, these guys know each other. And everybody knows the Blade Baron. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, the Blade Baron. That's a good, yeah, I have a feeling like... <laughs> Don't take this the wrong way. I think you're going to continue to get higher offers for Kettlebell King than Kukuri King. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but the reason why I got it is because 
we're going to come out with a line of cookers. No, it's awesome. I know I've had moments where, you know, I'll even be joking around in, in sessions yeah. and we'll come up with like just an idea. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm going to go buy the domain just in case we had an idea for, uh, we called it the screaming pillow where a pillow <laughs> that you would have on the outside of it, folks, uh, I get 20% of this. If you do this, uh, where it would be a mouth on the outside, but you would just yell into a pillow and it would be like screaming pillow.com. Like it's an idea there. It kind of like kitten mittens on a, it's not in Philadelphia, oh, but I'm like, I'm, I like literally just, Hey folks, the website's going to be available because Kodak yes. keeps telling me yes. it's up for renewal. I'm not going to renew that one. <laughs> but yeah, it's weird how you have to protect. You know, even if as soon as you have the idea, you have to try to jump on and see if it's if it's yeah. available. Well, you know, initially my um, my fit the fight my uh, survival strong originally was fit to fight. Okay. Oh, I re- I kind of remember that actually. I, yeah, early because I, I uh, one of my one of my videos I put out years ago was called Fit to Fight. It was my second one in my in my self defense fitness series, Fit to Fight. So I had it. I've used it for years. We Krav Maga stole it. <laughs> I trademarked it. So when I was coming out with my Fit to Fight, I'm like, look, like, wait, I had that first, but I didn't trademark it. They took my Fit to Fight. Here's an interesting thing, though. I'm going to be honest. So I've had to do some research on, on trademarks lately, and I got denied my application because of something. And then I talked to a lawyer. The lawyer says, like, trademarks, like, will help protect you in some degree. But if somebody else comes around and has proof of prior usage, oh, yeah, I do. you have that. Like, that is, it's in your, it's in oh, your. Oh, I know. I could have done it. But you know what? I don't want to pay a lawyer. We should yeah. have another name. Yeah, because it was interesting. Like, I, uh, yeah. I, I got rejected on a trademark claim. And I was like, is this something oh, I should this? Yeah. I was like, I was like, is there something I should fight this? You know, should, should I fight this? And the lawyer was just like, no, because most people don't go after one another on that stuff. Like, no, I'm like, you know what? Uh, it's not even worth it. I don't have the time cycles or desire. Yeah. I, I was a weird one though. There is another person uh, mm-hmm. who, who calls themselves coach fury. Oh yeah. Hasn't been using it as long. And again, it's like one thing if your last name is fury, like I would never try to argue that, but it is <laughs> If you say Coach Fury, at least in the kettlebell realm and whatever, people know it's me more than they would know my name is Steve at this point. Right, right. And, you know, I wasn't going to really say anything, but I wanted to have some uh, ownership in case there was like, anybody went confused because, you know, I noticed there was at least one friend that followed both of us as somebody I had no idea. So I think they were just looking for sure. the other Fury and it turned out <laughs> to be, but uh, my, the lawyer who was like, don't worry about this other thing was like, you, you need to let that person know at least via email that you use the name and have been using the name. And, you know, it's always one of the most awkward emails I have ever had a right to be like, look, I don't want to be a jerk. We have great, we have great, we both have the best nickname ever. But, you know, I've been using this since this and I'm, you know, could could you perhaps change it because I don't want to create any confusion or long-term. The reason being is they said, if I didn't reach out, like if I was just being a nice guy until it became a problem is say that was four years from now and that person suddenly very successful that person can then say to me, well, you knew about me. Why didn't you say it then? And then they get to have ownership of it. So I have to actually write a follow-up email, just like give it two shots just to make sure like, yeah, all right. Like, hey, just want to make sure you got this. Yeah, yeah make sure. Uh, so I never replied? Huh? What was that? The guy never replied? No. And, you know, I noticed that the gym that they work at lists the nickname as something different. Okay. And so I, I think, you know, it, it still has fury in it, but not coach fury. I mean, that's the, that's the thing for me. Yeah. It's a coach fury. I mean, that's what yeah. I mean. So it's a slightly different something fury and I'm totally cool with that. 
But it was interesting that the main big box chain website didn't use it, but like the socials. And she, oops, I just forgot. It's a lady. Um, oh, she has the Instagram Instagram account. It's Coach Ferry. It's not. That's a fetish thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> I did. I did make a new friend, Erin uh, <laughs> Furry from Steel Mace Yoga. She's the creator of Steel Mace Yoga program. Her and I, we met yesterday online. She was inviting me to come to her Steel Mace Yoga workshop, and I was like, "People add the art of mine and remove the art from hers." <laughs> but you know, I, I was one of those idiots that in the early days of Instagram, I had you know at Coach Fury, and then there was all. Remember, there would be these uproars about people's like. Instagram is selling your photos and I deactivated my account and then they wouldn't let me reactivate it under the same name. So that's the only account that is, I am coach fury. So this other person has coach fury. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that there's like clarity there, you know, yeah, like that's kind of yeah. for everybody's sake. Oh yeah. You know, it's funny you talk about Instagram cause I, you know, I have my survival strong on Instagram, but I got a new phone and for some reason I can't get up my other Instagram account. <laughs> Oh yeah. It's so tricky. You know, and with this whole incident, like I have now Fury Industries, I have yeah. Dimighty, I have Coach Fury Podcast. And it's like, I, I enjoy social media to a degree right? as a, as actually connecting with people. I love it as a business sort of necessity. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it's terrible. So it's like when you start posting on one of your own accounts and then you have to repost it on the other account, mm-hmm. it's so annoying. I know, but it's part of the business now. Yep, it's what we have to do. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly posting. So I got to try to figure out how to get my survival strong back on my phone. Uh, check out like check out just tech support or something. I'm not quite sure how that works. I might have to. I might have to do it on my computer and then do it on the phone. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, that might be um, a thing. Let me let me tell you about Goldberg. Okay. Please, yeah, tell me a Goldberg story. Right. For, for people that aren't familiar with Bill Goldberg, uh, A, um, you've been living under a rock, but Goldberg was one of the biggest stars in uh, world championship wrestling for a long time. It was a really big deal when WCW and ECW folded. He ended up at uh, WWE for a bit. I don't know how that ran out. That was about the time I started getting out of wrestling on the regular. Uh, and then he would have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was he involved with Strike Force or was it Bellator? He was doing commentary for one commentary of for Strike Force, I believe. Strike Force. Actually, actually, it was Strike Force because he knows Frank Shamrock. Okay. And what happened was when we were um, when we came down there, he actually asked to meet me because um, I don't know if you know, I'm, I'm very friendly with Frank. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, and he's just such a cool dude, man. He's so he is so cool. Uh, we've been friends for probably like 15 years. I don't know. Talk about like like literally, we probably can claim like one of the top five legends in the business. Like oh, no doubt, one no of the doubt. founding, you know, the UFC. Exactly, he's the largely on his and Hoist Gracie's back. Yeah, he's the prototype for the modern mixed martial artist. He's the one who who had the synergy with the the different disciplines where he'd go from str- tr- uh, his transitions from striking to grappling, striking to takedown, takedown to strike. You know, they were they were beautiful and he set the mold everybody's modeled after him i remember renting some of those early ufc vhs tapes yeah with, with fights with him on it remember like when they were kind of they, they were kind of weird back in the day. Tito Ortiz, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and uh tank abbott <laughs> tank remember yeah well in, in, in uh, actually in uh, ferocious fitness i talk about one of the guys who uh, used to train me when i was a kid 
when I was a teenager in high school. And uh, his name was um, Tim Catalfo. Uh, he's also, in Japan, he was known as Obaki, which means animal. Uh, <laughs> monster, monster, I'm sorry, monster. Obaki, which means monster. And Tim was a monster, man. He used to kick my ass. Whew. I'll tell you, like, he was like, you know, four years older than me. And his brother, Chris, was like three years older than me. Chris was uh, on our Olympic team for Greco-Roman wrestling. Wow. Yeah. And, we should, uh, listeners, we should also just point out, like, Phil, as, as versed as he is in kettlebells, is a lifelong martial arts master, like high-level high dude. We should throw that in there with, like, an MMA background, like a deep background in a lot of aspects of the sport uh, and in the arts. So just throwing that in there on top of that. Yeah, because yeah, I was um, – I was a division one wrestler. I won the nationals in submission fighting, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, with the Naga um, uh, organization um, and IBJJF um, black belt. That's uh, the international Brazilian jiu-jitsu federation black belt with them. And, uh, and then of course my stand up, you know, as a national champ uh, kickboxer in the Bondo organization uh, a couple times. Um, so, you know, Taekwondo took third in the nationals and that, one, I don't know, tons of karate tournaments and whatever. It was fought on that square garden network. For so, we should, so people should pick a fight with you, basically, is what yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> so, so to tell you that when a guy was kicking my ass, you know he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, God, uh, and Tim was funny. Tim was such a beast, okay? Uh, he was only like my height, but 248. Oh, Wow. Yeah, that's a big dude. That's a big dude. He went to Brazil and beat guys in Valley Tudo with no equipment. For the listeners, how tall are you? I'm about five ten ish. On a good day, <laughs> said that like <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm five five ten and uh five nine and three. Yeah, it's like quarters. So picture that being that body weight, being about five yeah. nine. <laughs> five ten. Slap, slap, five ten. Slap, slap like another 50, 60 pounds on you of muscle. Oof. Yeah, he was a monster. That's, that's like Ram Man from He-Man. If you had an action figure, that's yeah, Ram that would be him. I, I remember, gosh, if if we're training together, if you ever took him down, he'd be like, "Okay," I'm like, "Oh shit," because uh, my feet were above my head the rest of the, the time, <laughs> launching me. And Chris, his brother, was like chilling. Like, if you took him down, hey, yeah, good take down, go back to work, you know. And but Tim would just like rip your arms off. So yeah, let's, he, let's, he actually in competition he broke many people's arms and shoulders. He just ripped them off. Ugh. That was a monster. Let, let's bring this back. So Bill Goldberg reaches oh, out to you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll go off on tangents. So Goldberg asked because he saw this picture of me and Shamrock training together. And um, you know, Frank and I went at it pretty good, and uh, I did pretty well. So just put it that way. And uh, I guess I kind of impressed him. So you know, he brought me in as an instructor with him. And so there's pictures of me, you know, up on the things. They want your background and everything for, you know, they sent it to Night for Death. And he goes, hey, uh, this guy, who's the guy who uh, I'm going to meet Phil, right? So I come out. I'm like, hey, I heard you want to meet me. I came in two lambs sitting there working out. And so he goes, hey, man, much respect. You start talking. I'm like, he was so cool. And I mean, put it this way. Here's how cool they are. Those guys had their own special trailer that's really nice. The Star Trailer. And it's 20 feet away from us. So instead of being there, they decided, they asked if they could hang out with us in the cooling tent. Uh, As opposed to going on a trailer to be secluded. I mean, I'm talking about for like hours. And, you know, old Goldberg sitting right next to me talking about training, talking about his 12-year-old kid, what he's doing for him for training. And, like, he was so down to earth. And, like, and he's got a really good reputation among, like, street guys, you know, because he's legit. 
I mean, no, yeah. ex-football player, pro football player, you know. I mean, he's 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 legit. And I go, listen, you know, you, you have a good reputation among the regular guys. And he goes, wow. He was humbled by that. He goes, I'm humbled by that. that, that I, I, I really like hearing that. And then, and then what he does, he's like, he was texting Frank Shamrock when we were sitting there. And he goes, Frank says to kick ass. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, that's awesome. It was fun. We, we had a good time. And then when I saw him when I, did, when I was shooting the commercial, um, you know, the promo stuff, uh, you know, there were three of us that were at, uh, you know, so we went back to shoot the promo stuff and he's there. And he's like, hey, what's up, bro? Give me big hugs and stuff. And I'll tell you, Tulan, the other guy, the Army Ranger, he's a bad dude. <laughs> I would imagine. Man, this guy, this guy went through some serious stuff in his life. I mean, he came over on a boat from you know Vietnam. He's like about, I guess he's about 10, 12 years younger than me. And he was in that the, the boat people. Vietnamese, he was like two, three years old. They they killed the engines and let him float out to sea. And they they were found by yeah, and they were found by a Russian freighter. And then they wound up here. In the United States, he loves this country. You know, it's just he's made uh, his way here. I mean, the guy was 23 years in the army, and uh, you know, he's got his uh, Ronin tactics. I mean, what? I mean, knows weapons like nobody's business. That's you know? amazing. Yeah, incredible. What? I mean, what an incredible story. Yeah, he, you hear stuff like that, and you, you you go through like, oh, my struggles. Right, I know. I'm like, so I, I, know, I know. It's like I feel like the biggest pussy next to him, and I've had some. I've been through some stuff, <laughs> you know, yeah. but nothing compared to him. Nothing. No. Yeah, I think that's it's a it's a hard thing. I think actually, if if people could appreciate that more, that yeah. they just don't know somebody's full story on face value upon mm-hmm. meeting somebody, I think we'd be a nicer population. I think so. We'd be I a more so. respectful. Everyone population. Should needs to take a step back and say, you know what, that's a human being across from me. Yeah. Let me talk to him like a human being. That's one thing I don't like about social media, is people don't speak like they would speak to your face. People say oh, it's so easy. Yeah, it's so, it's so true. easy. Especially you have a couple of drinks in it. And you start typing crazy stuff. And it's like, I'll tell you, honestly, I've pulled away from a lot of those type of conversations because you know what? It gets nowhere. It gets nowhere. I often think that if I, I, I do get a lot out of social media aside from business. So I think mm-hmm. I would have some aspect of it still happening. But if it wasn't for whether it's the podcast or my training business, um, I would be on it so minimally. Right. I check um, out my friends. And- I like, yeah, it's, it is, re- you know, I'm one of those people that it's been really cool to reconnect with friends. That's the coolest. Um, I know. Is that awesome? And, and, you know, especially, you know, you and I get to teach courses. So you get to, you, you meet somebody for like a day or two or three days. And you, you know, like them. <laughs> And then you get to, you know, keep in touch, you know, it's so awesome. As shallow in one way as it sounds, the other option is no one keeps phone calling everybody. So you actually have more direct contact. So like, I I do love that aspect of it, but you know, there, there is the bullying aspect of it. And, you know, um, I certainly, I'm sure you dealt with that with your kids, but I'm, I'm, you know, I worry about that with my kids. Right. right, Um, and, and just people like, because you're not in the face to face, you know, if you, if you talk, if people talk to each other, the way they will talk to each other on social media, there would be a, a shit ton of more fighting actually happening. Yeah, you know no I mean? doubt. Like, it's like, it's like, there's this wall of like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to like prove my point right now, mm-hmm. put you down because there, there is literally any, nothing you, nothing can. you can do. You, you, you block me. Okay. And you know, it's interesting, you know, I, I, I have been on both ends of that fence just with my, my temper, not even on anything major where, you know, someone cuts me off and I might say something and then some random, you know, some random response from like some just 
buddy, you don't know me. Not that I'm a badass in any way, but you might not want to take these words with me right now. So suddenly when I'm coming back at them, they're like, oh, because that safety of the internet doesn't translate into real world toughness at all. Right, right. <laughs> People forget that sometimes. Yep. Something happened a couple years ago. I don't know if I'm, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, because we're having fun here. A lot of people are here, but <laughs> I'm at a stoplight. Just got finished my boxing class. I'm on my way home. So it's like 930 at night and it's three lanes, right, straight and left. And there's a light there. The light is red. It was right on red. So I roll up. I stop. I look, make sure it's clear. And I start to make the turn. Steve, some maniac comes flying up on my left side. I'm making a right on red through the red light and comes around me. Wow. Almost, uh, yeah, almost, I'm like, then this jaboni flips around and is going the other way. Now the light's red there. So I pull up. I'm like, hey, I go, what are you, are you some kind of asshole? Are you trying to kill me? And he goes, fuck you, I'll kick your ass. Steve, I look <laughs> at dead in the eye and I go, let's go, motherfucker. <laughs> right? and so i pulled over i got out of my car and he was out of his it's, <laughs> you know, and, so I'm, and i'm let's go Come, i knew there was uh i knew there was no cameras there too so i know i can get away with it so <laughs> i mean that is the other part too right i i had like a, a, a way low a low profile like less thing but so you know there was one day that i was going to work and this is while I was like deep in the thick, probably like two years in at five points. Like, so I was really practicing Muay Thai. Folks, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said this on the podcast. I have, I have a, a four, my, my window of practicing Muay Thai hardcore is now, I, I've done less since. Like I, I don't claim martial arts credibility whatsoever anymore. Um, not that I claimed much then, but there was an incident on the train. You know, like you're, you're waiting for a subway <sighs> and there was a couple and you know the the wife they were older than me so they probably i don't know maybe early 50s at the time mm -hmm. this is going back like maybe five years ago six years yeah. ago and i think i was going maybe a little longer i was going through my split at this point so i think i was like visited the kids and then was hopping on the train to go back to work and you know it's one of those things where the train's not coming the train's not coming the train's not coming and everybody's starting to huff and puff and get all pissy and the wife was really like just over the top with it to the yeah. point where I didn't say anything but I started like kind of like giggling like not out loud but like smiling because yeah. I was but I had my headphones on I was just looking forward I wasn't trying and she started on me about oh you think that's funny <laughs> and then the guy came up her her boyfriend who you could tell has probably gotten his ass kicked about like 20 dozen times <laughs> because of her you know, and got in my face. Oh, you think that's funny? You're laughing at my wife. And I was like, I looked at him dead in the eyes. And I don't even know where this phrase yeah. came out. I just said, walk on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That was it. I'm like, that's a badass. But yeah. it's just like, dude, I'm not the guy. You know what I mean? I'm just not the guy you're going to mess with today. Um, it's just a... <laughs> A, because the nickname of Fury was in full swing now. Because I, I'm like literally going through, you know, my life is going through this really rough, drastic transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I like, was there, I know, I know. Yeah, I'm like, you're not, you might start in this shit with me right now. Because, again, I didn't instigate anything. But you can see that look in his face like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do anything about this. So I am going to just step aside. So they just stepped aside and went back. And I think like a week later, around the same time, 
saw them again. They just try to ignore me the whole time. It was funny. It was really awkward, but it was funny. I can embrace awkward situations like that. Like I don't really cast judgments on people like I used to do, but like I will embrace like, uh, you know, a, a good safe train wacko, you know, yeah. someone that's just kind of like not out to hurt anybody, but is not making any sense or shouting some random shit. Like, uh, as long as it's not hateful, I'm like, I can appreciate oh, yeah. crazy. And uh, people watching in the city, there's nothing like it. It's not as good as it used to be. It's really not. It's funny. Like there, there, there used to be characters in the nineties when I was going to uh, NYU mm-hmm. and you know, there was a dude who'd walk around with this big picture frame around him going around. I've been framed. Can you help me get out? <laughs> You know, ask it for money. Awesome. There was a dude that would have like, a, you know, like a, a partial tinfoil robot thing that he would end up on the subways for. You just don't see like the, the, the specific characters. Like the quality of the character. I think, unfortunately. Well, people have Comic-Con now. They don't have to do that. They just go to Comic-Con. You know what it is? I, I forget what podcast I was, that I heard this. I think it might have been actually the Gilbert Gottfried podcast if you're in old movies folks listeners that's an amazing show by the way they don't talk about any movies basically in the last 10 years but in 20 years but you know new york used to be a place where you know you could be poor and actually still survive and it's not anymore no so i think you know there was always desperation among the you know the lower rung and the bowery and all that stuff but now it's like a deeper level of desperation oh, yeah. um, than what it used to be you can't and, survive uh, so i think that, that that's probably part of it Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's just it's like it's that. They it's oddly that. sadder. Yeah, you know it's harder to have a sense of humor, I guess, about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for themselves, I don't mean me laughing at somebody in a. Oh dire no, I know, I know. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about martial arts for a little bit. Let's talk about. Um, Phil runs a gym in uh, Hohokus, New Jersey. My saying, right? I always am like whenever I travel to Connecticut and I pass it, I'm like we're yeah. we're passing right. Philtown. Um, and you're, uh, you've written the book, Ferocious Fitness. Yep. No, Actually, Survi- Survival Strong. Uh, 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 got, well, here's Survival Strong. Survival Strong. Mm-hmm. I'm about, uh, I'm going to come out with a second edition on it. Um, so I'm just going to expand on a couple of different things in that. Uh, there's one of the things, oddly enough, in just about every scenario that, um, I put in like the self-defense scenario and what happens in my book. I put a real life incident that occurred. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I faced knives a couple times and uh, I'm still here. Uh, one of them uh, wound up getting commendations from the chief of police and the county executive because I did like this heroic act. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd do it again, but <laughs> <laughs> but it wound up you know, being deemed you know, heroic. I talk about that in my book and how I and how I did it and how it relates to the self-defense techniques. Um, and then one, one of them I talk about, one of my students used a rolled up magazine to defend his life. Another one I talk about, um, I have a 110 pound beautiful girl. She was a model, was attacked. I mean, 110 pound girl. She trained me for four years. She was attacked uh, by a very large individual down in DC with a knife. She put him in the hospital. Amazing. Yeah, her mother came in kissing and hugging me and everything. You saved my daughter's life. Um, and uh, I talk about how to defend yourself in a dog attack. But I don't cite the two instances that I was in dog fight attack, um, which is which kind of neat. Uh, like the, the one incident occurred when I was, I was with my son when he was only like two and a half or three. And I had, I had a pup 
uh, German short hair. He was like six months old. And then I had uh, my Belgian Malinois, who was, you know, a few years old, a female. And we're walking down the street. And these people had this, like, Japanese Tosa. I don't know if you know what that is. I don't know. But it's like like a lab on steroids. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like Vegan. yellow, but it's big. It's big. It's huge. Okay. It's, a, it's another type of Japanese fighting dog. So... I know the thing was pretty aggressive, but they had a, the, the fence and the gate and everything and a stone wall. And so we're walking and dogs barking, barking, barking. Well, the lady had come home from shopping. And guess what she left open? The gate. <laughs> Front door. So the gate's open. This dog comes flying up the street at us. Now, usually my voice command works against dogs. You know, I yell, I'm real strong with it. This guy, he didn't care. <laughs> Coming straight for us. My son is screaming. My dogs are barking. My pup, he's this goofy. He don't know what's going on, right? So I kick this thing right in the face. I kick so hard, Steve. I knock it across the, the uh, across the road. He goes like this, and comes back. I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> My son's like, Daddy, he wants to eat me. I mean, to the kid, this is a bear. I mean, well, put it this way: this thing beat up my friend's Rottweiler. <laughs> That's how nasty it is. Yeah, I want to point out, too, because I'm, I'm going to bet at this point people are like, ah, oh, Phil kicks a dog. Um, yeah, I know. Let, let's put this out there, though. Uh, if you've ever seen or know somebody that's actually been attacked by a dog, um, it, it, it is one of the scariest things to kind of be around. And I've been in a few situations where I know I was – I don't want to say getting hunted because it sounds like I'm in that movie The Gray or whatever, but <laughs> – there, there, there's, there was a time when I, I took my, my BMX bike to Flushing Meadow Park and there were stray dogs and they started getting at me. I had to pedal my ass off to get out of that situation. And Ramona, our dog, was attacked in about the first six months we had her at a dog run. Yep. And when it gets ugly, it gets ugly really quick. So I, I want to make sure we're putting this story not and I just feel just kicked a dog. Right. But that like it is protecting the family. in. Yeah. in situations because i've had several friends that have been bitten um and still have scars from from that and uh you know it, it's i just want to clarify that if you haven't been in that situation it is it is just like being threatened by a human being if not worse oh, not worse there's no logic none and and there's no dealing with them they're coming at you yeah I mean, you know the things that that's probably one of the reasons that's one of the reasons why i didn't put it in the book i want to phrase it properly and i'm like ah you know maybe i'll do it another time but this thing, so he's launched himself at me. I kick him, knock him across the street. He comes back. My son, I go grab my leg. So my son's behind me, grabbing my leg. I have my two dogs here on a leash. Uh, my shepherd, my, you know, Malinois, like a small shepherd, engages. I grab the thing by the collar and I drive him into the rock wall. Now imagine this scene. Me with this monster pinned here, my two dogs hold them off in a leash here, and my kid on my leg. I don't know how I didn't get bit. That was pure 100% luck. Oof. The lady finally comes out. I'm like, get your damn dog. She finally gets the dog. And oh, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, my, my kid was afraid of dogs for years. It, it's you know, we, we have Ramona here, and she's like the sweetest, uh, yeah. especially with people. But there are people that'll come in and they're good with her. But then Ramona likes to like uh, do like little like sneak kiss attacks. Like people get into like a rocking or quadruped position. She comes in for the kiss and, and yeah. they'll, they, you know, they'll, they'll flinch on occasion just because it's like they've had that incident where it's like, we know she's amazing, but I've had this attack. 
And it's, you know, the shitty part of it is, is it's like, you know, whose fault is it? Is it the dog? No, it's always the owner. It's the owner's always fault. Always the owner. The do- a dog is a dog. They're going to do what a dog does. You know, I, I just have like, you know, uh, here, Ramona can be reactive around other dogs. And it, it, it's, she was possessive of her toys. But ever since that attack, I don't think, and that our other guy, Marty, died, our other dog, Marty, died. I, I don't think she knows how to relate to another dog. And so she's reactive and we do every, we've, we've had training. We do everything we do to like not be confrontational, to cross the street, to go the other way. Right. And even our trainer's been like, you know what? Some dogs, you know, pe- some people hate other people right. some do- or don't get know how to get along with other people. And she's like, some dogs just don't know how to get along with other dogs. And you, she's, she's great and everything else. Right. Don't, don't kill yourself. Just keep her on a leash. Cause I got a, I have a dog like that. One of my pits at seven months old, he's attacked by two standard poodles in the park. He's, his ear, he's got the tear in his ear, scarred up. Uh, he was a bloody mess. And I'll tell you, he doesn't like, especially dogs that look like that. Yeah, it's just a really weird, you know, like, well, it's not even that weird. Plus, they're shelter dogs. He's rescued. She's a rescue. All my dogs are rescues. Yeah. So, you know, we're walking, though, and, and the thing that really fucking gets me is when, when people have their dog off leash, you know, and this was even prior to me having a dog as a skateboarder. You know, I'd be skating down the street, skating down the sidewalk in the city, and everybody's trying to look so freaking cool. My dog's the best trained dog. And then a skateboard comes by, and, they- and that rattling startles them. Yep. Or if you're a jogger and you run by a dog, and they are not thinking like, oh, you're just running by. They're seeing that you are running up towards my owner. I'm going to right. defend. Like, yeah. nobody puts that into perspective. Like, your dog's jumping. No, it's actually my dog's trying to defend me right now. Because right. You're coming up from behind. Or even yeah. if it's the front. But, um, you know, we got into it once with, with with a woman and it was like a small dog and we tried to keep Ramona away. And the the reverse logic of how because Ramona just happens to be a pit bull that no matter what, it would be her oh, fault. And it's wrong. Yeah, your dog's wrong. Ugh, it's fucking I, crazy. I, I, I hate that because, again, I have two pits. Uh, one of them, she's the most gentle dog. I don't know if she, she would know what to do in a fight. She's so gentle. Uh, I mean, she's old now. She's like 14. Yeah. My other guy, Coco, he'll, he'll throw down, but he's so great with kids and people. Yeah, he, that's was, the thing. Like, he was attacked by, he was attacked. And so, but there, there's sometimes I can, I can get him along with certain dogs, but most of them I can't. So I just leave him on a leash and that's that. And I keep yeah. We, we've tried like some days Ramona walk and she'll be great. And then the other, other days, days, other days bad, but, and you know, we, you know, I teach classes out of the apartment. So everybody looks forward to seeing her. Like, so strangers will come in and she is just amazing. Once she sniffs them up a little bit, like we've had sleepover parties with kids, basically like trying to ride her and she's amazing. Uh, it's just, you know, around other dogs, but you, you know, like, hey, if you know it, you just avoid. she's a rescue dog. Like who knows? Who knows what happened? People can get away with, you know, PTSD, like why? But we don't feel like we feel like we can train all that crap out of our animals because we watch yeah. the dog whisper or something. Yeah, you just get, you know what? I, I don't know about that whole dog whisper stuff. <laughs> I don't know. A lot, I, you know, it's funny. We we when we when we were trying to sort out Ramona, we were watching a bunch of it. But I know a lot of, including the place that we got Ramona from, a lot mm-hmm. of people places were like that is not the way to do that at all (laughs) we have a great trainer though i'm gonna throw his name out here uh jason cohen jason the trainer is an as a great awesome great trainer if you're in the south brooklyn area uh so look him up uh great trainer and uh yeah so like ramona's doing great in terms of that stuff but that's that's an issue (laughs) what if what about that myth you know how they always say the myth about uh, maybe it's not a myth but how you split two dogs up you stick your finger in one's butthole and that gets them. <laughs> I've actually heard that as a thing. What if you you know how they, 
You know how they say you're not supposed <laughs> to try to pull them apart, right? Because they dig in deeper or they'll bite you. <laughs> the urban myth is just go for the butt. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> try it once. You have the reflexes. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what really works good? My my um my instructor died last year. I uh, used to also train Schutzen dogs, um, Rottweilers and German Shepherds. And um, the thing, he was trying to break up a fight between two of them. And he just reached and he happened to have one of those uh, aluminum uh, uh, rackets, uh, a racquetball racket. And he just, boom, cracked him right on the nose. Oh, wow. And he goes, it worked. <laughs> so he goes, I always keep on with me. <laughs> Yeah, we have a. I've heard water too, but like, when yeah. are you gonna have like a suddenly have? Water? I, I gonna have a hose. When are you gonna have a hose? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you this though. One of the things that 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 does work, which I had uh, an occasion with an Akita that attacked my my Mal Malor, and she was six months old. I'm, I'm having issues with these Japanese dogs, but a 125 pound Akita attacked her, and again, I was getting to you know kick it because it. But it had her by the neck, so I couldn't kick it. Yeah. Because I didn't want her to break her neck. So what I did was I grabbed him by the tail, I lifted him up, and I put my fingers around his throat, and I squeezed until he let go. But when you upend a dog, when you take their base away from them, you take their, you pick their legs up off the ground, they have nothing to drive from the back legs. That seemed to work. Uh, folks, don't try any of these strategies <laughs> if they work. Another, another time that I should have gotten bitten. And my, uh, my ex-wife was watching me in the window. I'm there with my boxer, my Malinois, and an Akita in a fight with me in the middle. And I didn't get bitten. Yeah. It's, when, when Ramona was attacked, I, I went in and just without even thinking, I just sort of pulled them apart. And, yeah. and you know, they had, she, they had, the dog had Ramona by the neck. And the tricky things when dogs bite each other is it's like that it gets it, it gets under the skin and then pulls yeah. that layer of the skin off the tissue, yes. off the muscle. And that's when you have to be really careful. That's why even humans, if you get bit by a dog, it's it's the it's not the puncture itself. No. It's the bacteria. What that happens? Gets, the bacteria that gets in there. Yeah. So there was like, you know, this whole potential in needing surgery and stuff. But luckily, she's okay, folks. And uh, just train your dogs. And if your dog isn't fully manageable, work responsibly around that is basically the motto of this story. Dog on Um... <laughs> So, Survival Strong, second edition's coming out. Go and bring, bring it all back around. Okay, let's bring it around. So when, when second edition coming out? Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up my graduate degree, so I'm not doing anything until that, but it'll, it'll come out sometime next year. Phil is one of the busier people that I know. Um, <laughs> nobody mentions that. There's always, like, multiple, multiple things going on. Yeah, I got a couple of things going on. I'm also, I'm also doing up – have you heard of Burn Along? No. Burn Along is a website, and they – you, you get a monthly subscribership to them and you post workouts there. You should think about doing it. I can hook you up with them. Okay. Yeah. 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 And what I've done is I have, uh, you know, I do my survival strong seminars. I have, I mean, I, I do them for schools. I certify um, the uh, phys ed teachers to teach self-defense as a unit in their high schools or middle schools. I've done six so far and I got a contract for two more this year. Amazing. Uh, and then I, I also do them for community centers, I do them for, uh, I'm doing another one for um, the Parks and Rec. Um, I, and you know what's weird? Libraries have been having me in. That's pretty cool. Yeah. This is the fourth library I'm doing. I wonder if they're just finding like, they're having to find other ways to serve their community because right. 
the, the internet. You don't have to go there for microfilm well, like in the back yeah, of the yeah. day. Microfiche. Right? Microfiche. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to explain that After to the people. Listen, probably don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, listeners, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm looking for a newspaper article from 1985. Right. I think you go into like the basement of the library. They put yes. you with like a, a, a viewer that is almost <laughs> like, like an overhead projector quality that you're seeing, right? And, and it, it is this little roll of film basically that goes in and you click through it. And it's an archaic. So I would imagine with libraries, like, you know, they would always have like sort of like family events, educational yeah. opportunities and and uh, I know that the Levittown Public Library, aside from having like a fan, being a fantastic skate spot, mm-hmm. um, also skateboard spot, also, you know, they would do uh, art shows and stuff. But I would imagine they have to find better ways to more directly impact the community in a positive way. Because how many people, how many young people under 60 are going to the libraries? You know, even my daughter, my kids go every now and then and they bring books back, but yeah. it's not the same. Not the same. It's not the same. You know, we used to spend hours in the library. Hours. I remember looking for tattoos. Like, hey, I have an idea for a tattoo. So I go yeah. to New York Public Library and I, I start xeroxing photos from like a million books. Now yeah. I just Google it. I go like this. I look up on my phone. Hey, that looks good. Godzilla tattoo. Right. right. <laughs> and it's a, there's all the options in the world on it. Yep. Yep. And then uh, I mean, I, I, I'm due for a couple more anyway. But um, so uh, so I'm I'm actually I'm finishing up my master's and then I'll. I'll I'll redo the book after that. And um, I'm actually, uh, looks like I'm, I'm up for, you know, I'm, I'm an adjunct right now at the local community college, but there's going to be some openings. Oh, amazing. I might actually get the full-time gig, which would be kind of cool. Now, at this point, let them know the name of your studio. Okay. Yeah. American Eagle, MMA and Kettlebells. How much of this, with all the stuff you have going on, it, are you running the day to day? I'm here every day. How do you do I'm it? <laughs> I'm here like seven days a week. Once in a while, I take a day off, and my, my my employees laugh at me. They say, "Yeah, you you say you're taking off, and then you show up." <laughs> oh, and congrats because you just celebrated your 30th anniversary. Am I correct? Yes. yes. I mean that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, think, folks, think think of how many martial arts studios or, or gyms manage to independently owned stay open for 30 years so congrats that's a huge thank event you. thank you uh especially when you realize like most trainers lifespan i don't know how it is for martial arts instructors but most like from the physical training side yeah. it's three to five years and you're out like yeah. most people don't get past that no 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 i just you know i just keep going man i just keep going i don't know i don't know how to stop well let, let's let's talk about this in, in terms of like what i appreciate you in the rkc as well is and this isn't to talk negatively about anybody else within, you know, the leadership team or the system. But like, you know, I think there's the opportunities we're given at, at through Dragon Door and the RKC. Yes. A lot of it is we have to we have to hustle and, and make it right. We have to like kind of go and make these things happen. And what I appreciated from you and from my Krifka, mm-hmm. you know, Dan John certainly is really going for it. Like we have this opportunity. Let's try. Let's see where we can set up courses. Yep. Let's get around and do it. And uh, I know that's something that I always looked up to you from. Mike's a hard charger too. Yep. Um, at least, you know, our, our, our sort of East Coast contingent here yeah. between the three of us. Yeah. And uh, so, but you do make those things happen, man. You got, you know, just, just do. Like, like I tell you, so you got, I have um, a bunch of the Style Strong seminars coming up. We got a bunch of HKCs coming up. I got my own thing called the Body Bell Method, 
which I use as like an intro course to uh, to the other ones where I, you know, I, I teach that in the schools too, because a lot of the schools now are doing functional training. And in this area, functional training comes in kettlebells, body weight, they contact me. And I go in and I, awesome. I train the phys ed teachers. Now also having my master's in exercise science will also help me in that aspect to gain more credibility. Um, am I any smarter? Eh, maybe, you know, I mean, it's been a, been a long haul and it's, and it's hard work. Um, but again, just adds that level of credibility that, you know, I have put in the work. Um, and I'll tell you, it, it has been, it has been great for me. I, you know, I mean, as, as, as much work as it's been, it's, it's been a heck of an experience. And, um, I, I'm really looking forward to, to writing my thesis. Um, I've already started it, but I'm really looking forward to putting it out there because I really think it's going to make a difference. I've actually, well, my subject is going to be rapid weight loss and, um, you know, but, you know, for everyone, but also in terms of, um, uh, the combat sport arena. And I've actually been working with, um, there was a, there was a tweet, Nick Lembo. He's the one who wrote the unified rules that everyone goes under. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was the one responsible for getting the real rules and, and helping, uh, you know, MMA become mainstream sport. He's the, uh, um, uh, the state, uh, chairperson, uh, the commissioner, commissioner, commissioner. Of Jersey. And, um, I saw him do a tweet and he goes, yeah, you're thinking about same day weigh-ins for the UFC to stop, you know, the rapid weight loss or cut down on that. So I replied and went back and forth. And then, um, I said, listen, Nick, I know I'm writing a paper on this. Would you like to see something? He goes, yeah. So I sent it to him. He says, wow, this is great. This is great stuff. I love speaking with people who intelligently can break down the, the, um, issues with it. So if it just, just one, just one instance, like, you know, um, A lot of guys use unsafe methods of dehydration, okay? And, you know, the cerebral fluid in your brain will get depleted when you become completely dehydrated, right? And guess what the last thing to rehydrate is? The cerebral fluid in your brain, right? So even if you have 24, 32 hours between the weigh-in and the fight, the chances that, that, that you have that cushion between your skull and your brain replenished are very slim, I mean, I know that so coming from, you know, five points where people, right, right, right. I, mean, I was literally just talking with my friend, uh, Emily and, you know, her, her, her boyfriend's a pro Muay Thai fighter. And just, it, it, that is probably the biggest thing. And listening to Joe Rogan on the, on the Joe Rogan podcast, that's his biggest thing. You know, uh, folks, Joe Rogan, if, if, I mean, quite frankly, if you're listening to this show, I'm sure you know who he is in his show. But the, the biggest thing, he's a commentator for the UFC. The biggest thing he sees as an issue in MMA is the fact that there aren't more weight classes because these weight cuts are, are long-term so unhealthy. So unhealthy. People think the physical damage is the, you know, the hard part. It's actually because it's just really racking your body inside out. Now, I've never done – like I've done a few weight cuts for strength tests through the RKC. Yeah. I've never had to do one for a fight. Like I never fought. I, I was on the board once, never got something. So I was – like you know what i'm not going to go that route but i have cut weight a few a few times for like you know if i was gonna have to deadlift a certain proportion of my body weight whatnot um or press it and it was pretty brutal and but that was like you know like maybe like a four-day thing right for like eight pounds but then when you get into martial arts land people are doing that for like 15 20 pounds easy and so folks your body just is not meant to adapt that's not fasting it's like full out depleting well you, you know the thing is also if, if you look at the um if you look at the wada you know the uh, world anti-doping association and you look at um what constitutes something that's illegal for them rapid weight loss meets it okay one 
it's using you're 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 going to enhance your performance okay um two it's against the spirit of the sport and three there's health risks there's health risks to both people okay if you have if you have one guy let's say you're you're going away in 185 pounds okay and you know through normal workout you know through you know, maybe lose 10 pounds eight pounds for a fight over a, a fight camp that's fine no problem with that but here you got a guy who comes in a fight camp at 225 okay he's whittling down whittling down whittling down he steps on the scale makes his 185 he rehydrates now you have rapid weight gain or rwg he could be 205 210 pounds when he gets in that cage and there's a guy who's 190 pounds now how Isn't that the whole goal of cutting, though? I mean, let's face it. It, it is sort of like it, it's almost like if it either makes steroids completely legal across the board right. or completely not across the board. So right. there's a baseline because right. when people are cutting weight. They're trying to come. They want to be the biggest they can be within that class. At that weight, weight class. Yes. Yeah. But the thing is now, if you lose weight and lose weight properly and they have weigh-ins closer to the time of fight, people aren't going to be able to weight cut like that because they won't be able to rehydrate. If you have a, if you, if you have a massive weight, because I, um, you know, I, was, I was a wrestler. I've weighed in hundreds of times. Okay? Um, you know, I've weighed in for fights too. Um, and you know how many times I missed weight? Never. Okay? One, because I'm not fighting – too high or too low of a weight class and i always maintain a certain semblance of conditioning i never let myself balloon up these guys let themselves balloon up and they yo-yo which is terrible for your system now uh there's so many bad things about it you create you create um a situation where down the line they're getting um they're getting uh eating disorders or they can go become obese which is a whole nother thing we could talk about too but um, yeah, it's a you know that's it's a definite problem, and the thing is also now you know bouts get canceled. You know, one FC has done some things. One FC does not allow them to cut X amount of weight. They check their weight during during the fight camp. Yeah, they say hey, your bouts off, you're canceled. You and know? it is rough. There's nothing worse than when someone like you know is has been going through all of this themselves, and then someone doesn't make weight. Right, or guys will purposely do it so they have an advantage. Yeah, like I've seen guys. I've seen guys try to make just a 185, for example, and the guy steps on the scale at 197 pounds. But hoping that they'll just let try? it slide. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you when when that happened in my fights, when I was running the UCC, I would say, you know what, you're not. I'd give him the option. I say, do you want to fight this guy? Mm-hmm. I'd give him the option, and if you don't want to fight him, boom, and I'd find him. If he fought, I'd find him. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to go back to the. Uh... Yeah, I was just thinking about the, the bells and body thing because one of the things that is impressive about you and you, you got at the last Dragon to our Health and Strength conference, Phil got called up to demo a bunch of stuff, <laughs> and it was just mean. But <laughs> was nasty stuff. Phil's also the kind of guy that appreciates that kind of mean. Is you are a walking, talking example of the benefits of kettlebell training and calisthenics. So in terms of being like a representative for the RKC and for PCC and what we do over at Dragon Door. Uh, it's impressive because I also know you've got some pretty significant injuries Yes, um, that you wouldn't know. So I don't want to even bring age up because you're not all that much older than me, but like between the combination of being injured, mm-hmm. being, being older, what, what would, when did you find kettlebells okay. and, and, and what has been the 
sort of biggest takeaway you've gotten as a practice, not as a teacher of it, but as a practitioner? Okay. Um, first of all, I have no qualms. I'll be 56 next month. Okay. Um, and I feel better now than I felt 15 years ago. If that makes sense. Even yeah. with all my injuries, all my uh, operations from my neck to my knees, to my shoulder, to my ankle, everything, whatever. Kettlebells has helped me be able to move better and more effectively and to be stronger longer. Yeah. Let's be, let's put this now into something specific in terms of how do you see that as it translates? If we use martial arts as an example of functional fitness or okay. just being able to move and play, right? Like, so if we remove like the actual, like uh, criteria of it, if we just use it as, as an expression of movement, whether it was martial arts, how do you see that? Cause we, everyone likes to talk, talk about kettlebells are functional kettlebells, you know, they work your core, but how do you, especially in the early days of starting to use them, how did you see or feel that change happening? Because okay. I don't know if people can like, I don't even know if, I think this is beneficial for trainers. Like I think a lot of trainers get certified and they wouldn't know how to express to somebody <laughs> that they're going to train. Like, this is what it does. Like I'm, I started really asking people at my certs, like, what are the benefits of a kettlebell? I'm not going to tell you, you need to answer this. All right. All right. Uh, I don't say it that way, folks, because <laughs> a lot of it's just like kettlebells are good because they're good. No. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, why is it get up a good thing? Why is it swing a good thing? But they can't right. explain it. And yeah, it's just still sometimes for people a hard sell to be like grab onto a piece of iron and make it fly. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. What what I found with it is the explosive power is great. The range of motion, um, the ability to do movements that are that that are great with a bar, but I could do them when I was younger, but they wreak havoc on my shoulders, hips, and knees now. But yet with the kettlebell, because of the, the ability for it to move and re or reposition it, it it's been, been great. I mean, I, uh, okay, a, uh, an Olympic snatch is a great explosive athletic movement. How many people can really do that without getting hurt? And just about anybody can do a kettlebell snatch without getting hurt. True if they're trained properly. Yeah. Right? So, you know, there's only maybe like 10% of people that, that are athletic, quick, strong enough and trained enough to do a kettlebell, uh, to do a, a, an Olympic bar snatch effectively without getting hurt. Whereas I can do that with a kettlebell time and time and time and time and time again. And the thing is, I love the, that it works the intrinsics and that it also works in the transverse plane because sports occur in a transverse plane and, um, Injuries occur in the transverse plane. So for me to strengthen myself, strengthen my body in that transverse plane is going to make me be effective longer. Um, whereas, you know, when we're doing standard weights, you know, we're basically working our sagittal and frontal planes. And not much happens there in real sport and life. I mean, I, I, it's the biggest thing. It's like, it, it, it's funny with the dogma of a lot of systems and, and, and love loyalty to certain big moves. It, it tends to be, uh, listeners, if you're not familiar, uh, sagittal plane is basically straighter front. So if you sit your feet down, this is the weird thing with a podcast. Uh, yeah. if you, if you just have your feet, say shoulder width apart and do a body weight squat, that would be sagittal plane. If you step one foot directly to the right or left of you, that is your frontal plane. And if you twisted, uh, pivoted is a better phrase, pivoted around to look behind you. That is your transverse. That's your rotational. And, you know, even kettlebells, it's funny how some people get really dogmatic about like, you know, every swing has to be perfect feet you know, specific bilateral stance, uh, like <laughs> nothing, very little in life ever happens that way. Right. I can't think of any, any sports other than Olympic lifting or powerlifting that happen with both feet firmly 
planted on the ground without any other movement. Uh, and I can't think of really too many other daily activities that, that would require that. But even kettlebell purists are like, well, you, you learn all that other stuff by doing get-ups. Well, get-ups not enough either. Oh. But it's, it's just bigger thinking. And uh, I love that you said that because people start to think that the implement itself is the functional fitness part, not no. how it's implemented. It's the person using it. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Is a um, it, you know, is a kettlebell designed to um, a little bit better than a dumbbell for certain reasons? Yeah, because you have a dumbbell as a, a unilateral uh, distribution of weight, where the kettlebell, the center of gravity, is constantly changing because of its shape, because it's weighted on one side and basically not on the other, just a handle on the other. So um, you know, your body has to constantly compensate through that uh, when you're moving. Um, Whereas again, I said the dumbbell, you don't have to. Uh, but that is one of the biggest reasons that I love the kettlebell because I'm again constantly pulling through the core, working through the working through the um, transverse plane. And the thing is, I mean, I can get my endurance work with it too, my especially muscular endurance. You can't do you can't do Olympic snatches safely for muscular endurance. It's not going to happen. Something will tear. You will, you'll, you'll fry your neural system. It's not, it's not meant to be done like that. That's why, I mean, like, the CrossFit, I'm not a fan. I know probably people do CrossFit. Uh, some, and some coaches are fantastic, absolutely fantastic. But, you know, I, I studied the premise before I got into this. And um, you know what? Those lifts aren't meant to be used time after time for time and, 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 and repetition. Yeah, it, it, it even in the um, it's it's funny. My my, uh, I've grown way more open to the idea of, of CrossFit over time because I've met and had some really good conversations. But it, it does come down. I think most of us, whether it's a for or against, it, it that that simple idea of like high volume under stress of, of certain moves, like Olympic lifters to to compete outside of those games are not training that way. No, and, you know, unfortunately, I think you know the Gen Pop carryover for that is where you know, people start to think of all those, those injuries that are happening. Right. Right. And it's also like potentially a mindset thing. Like, uh, you and I have very different mindsets, but like, I think in terms of like the safety aspect, they align. Uh, I am very much like, uh, uh, I'm going to push myself, but I'm going to like, I'm never going to be that guy that, uh, kills myself in a workout. Not that you would kill yourself in a workout, but I just know between us, like the intensities are probably different, but the core principles are the same. That becomes a little bit different where we're going off into like exercise selection and, 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 and purpose of the implement. Hankin has a Josh Hankin uh, from DVRT yeah. you know, has a great way of saying like people like to say that like, you know, every implement is just, you know, the tool is just a tool, but it's not. You, you don't go to a carpenter and hand him a hammer for a Phillips head. Right. And it's like, yeah, the kettlebell is the best thing to do a swing with. It just is. Um, we're not going to try to say that a dumbbell or, uh, an ultimate sandbag is better for a kettlebell swing for the purpose of what we're trying to get out of that exercise mm-hmm. best. What people forget is like, a, they just think they can make it all one thing, do everything. And right. you can't, yeah. that's or why they yep. choose the swing as an exercise without even knowing like, why is that important? Why is it important? Why is it important? I mean, the things like, you know, that's why I also, I implement a great deal of body weight and I also do the suspension training with the cross core. And that's yeah. pretty much my training regimen as far as strength and conditioning go. Um, you know, of course, I do my martial arts and I hit the bag. I, you know, I practice boxing every week. And, I, uh, you know, I, I roll. I still roll live usually once or twice a week on the mat with jujitsu. And I spar with my guys. Um, but 
uh, my strength and conditioning revolves around my kettlebells, body weight, and suspension training with the cross core. Uh, are there other ways to do it? Yeah, but I like these the best. Uh, you know, I get a nice full range of motion. I get um, I get a great pump from it, and um, I, you know, I have incredible mobility from it, and I've become more mobile over these years, especially doing all the combat sports I did and getting banged up. I mean, you know, you know I, I went in at, at 48 years old, I I went to the uh, Nagas and I had five fights in one day and I went undefeated, unscored upon in, you know, five matches. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, which I, who knows how it would happen the next day. Maybe I got my ass kicked, but that day I was on. But I mean, I beat a 25 year old guy in the finals. <laughs> but it's, it's really nice to know that the systems you use for physical, and, and this is for everybody, that the systems you use for physical education are actually for physical training are actually supporting the activities you're trying to do, whether that's win fights, whether that's to play with the kids or to swim or to hike. I think sometimes people pick a system or, or get implement based because they think it's cool or a friend says it, and it might be counterproductive. I mean, how many people do we know that actually, like from Jen Poplin, that you know? aren't getting the results they want, but they're doing it because like, well, their friends do it or because they think it's cool or they versus like, is this actually working for you? And, you know, if, if I was perpetually getting beat up using kettlebells and the ultimate sandbag or OS or whatever, why would I, I wouldn't be sticking with it. I certainly wouldn't be sharing it. Like, even if I was getting paid, I certainly wouldn't be like, Hey guys, you should use this because it has destroyed my body and it's going to destroy yours too. Um, But it's been, I don't think people see it that way sometimes, right? They get caught up in the idea of what something is and what it should feel like. Right. It's like the repeat injury, whether it's with, you know, whatever implement it might be. Somebody that's repeatedly getting injured uh, might probably should rethink what they're doing, especially if they're not competing. You know, competing adds a separate, you have to make those decisions. Yeah. Uh, but if you're not competing, you have to make uh, some, right. smart, some smarter choices. I know the buy-in for kettlebells for me was time that I could get something in so quickly, yes. so little time. Awesome. Bang for the buck. And ha- coming into them way after, like three years after shoulder surgery, being able to press heavy safely, do get-ups, feel great with them on the shoulder, it, it was completely eye-opening. Yep. And then the mobility ad, you know, uh, being able to do pistol squats under load. And then I lost them, I'll admit, like, it's funny, I was having this conversation while I was teaching DVRT over the weekend. Uh, thank you, Tina and the crew at MSC Strength and Conditioning and Norwell. Love you guys. Um, the weakest I overall felt as like a full moving person, the more prone I was to like back issues and stuff was the most I focused myself on barbell only. And yep. I didn't realize really wasn't able to really put that into perspective for a bit. Mm-hmm. But it was the most that I was focusing on the big three yep. um, deadlift, bench and back squat. Now, folks, I'm not crapping on those at all. They're great lifts. But mm-hmm. As I started to pull out, do less kettlebells, do less body weight, do less of the sandbag stuff. OS at this point was, was really the thing that got me out of a lot of these pain things. It wasn't part of my, my training yet. Um, when I when I now going back and, and, you know, I do like a lot of random stuff now. Like I'm, I'm learning how to use the mace. I'm progressing my Indian clubs, which I've been using for years. Kettlebell juggling, you know, working on the ultimate sandbag stuff and my OS stuff. It seems pretty random if you look at it. But I'm starting to feel this like new wave of being able to move and just feel better. And like you said, in all planes of motion, I mean, that's the the big thing with the sandbag program is is we literally set up every progression along the way, how you start in the sagittal, how you start to destabilize sagittal, how you start to build lateral, how you start to destabilize lateral, 
uh, frontal, I should say, and then how you start to build into rotational. And then suddenly you're like, shit. But people might look at that and think it's crazy because people aren't used to taking baby steps. Right. That's the thing. And that's the thing, especially when you have people that come over there used to pushing heavy weight. Look, I mean, I don't know how many people know this, but actually um, at one point I won professional powerlifting meet. I was an elite level, level powerlifter. I've seen your, uh, I've seen Nikki's comp videos. That doesn't surprise me whatsoever. So, I mean, like I benched at, at you know, the 181 class, I weighed in at 179.9 and with the clean bench, and you know how hard this is, 370 in competition. Wow. That's pretty good. That's uh, solid. <laughs> yeah, my squat was five and a quarter. Oof. Yeah. Okay. At 100, under 180 pounds. Okay. Um, yeah, I was an elite level power lifter. Uh, and I got out of it, one, because I was just doing it to get stronger for fighting. But two, and I wanted to be the best in the world or at least give them the best shot. And I, and without doing steroids, I wouldn't be able to do it. So I walked away from it. I got an idea. Let's you and I get steroids and get back on track. It's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had my kids and everything now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. But Everybody's open, sort of open about it now. Yeah, yeah. Watching, it's funny now how you hear. I, I listen to like a lot of wrestling podcasts. Yeah. And, you know, there was that whole era when Hogan was being, you know, testifying and Vince McMahon, and everyone was like, no, 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 no. And actually, now they've actually got like way stricter rules on this stuff. Yeah. But uh, it's funny how they're, you know, they'll talk about like, uh, you know, how, how, what were you lifting? How are you lifting now? How's your body feel? And these guys are all wrecked, even though they're, a lot of them are still jacked. They're oh, pretty yeah. wrecked from all the injuries, oh, yeah. all the travel. And they'd be like, well, you know, I'm much smaller now because I'm not a, there's a phrase they use and it wasn't juice, but it was funny. I wasn't like, you know, not on the sauce, up or sauce not on the sauce, <laughs> but I get it. Like I fall in that weird category. It's like, I'm not going to tell anybody that I train to go hop on steroids, but if you're, if you're a professional athlete, if you're, if you have a million dollar contract, like to play baseball and your shoulder is fucked, uh, man, it, it's so easy to be judgmental about it. All right, all right, but you only have the body you have to work with, even if you're doing all you the other window like this. Yeah. And, all, and you, you're doing, they're doing all the other things. This is just the extra thing. These wrestlers, people don't realize professional wrestlers, the top guys in particular, like 330 days a year, they're traveling. It's crazy. There's no work around injuries. No, they have to. They have to work through. I mean, those guys, you know, the people they're using them to repair their muscles. Yeah. You know, the only thing well, I want to get back to that burn along thing again. Please, please, uh, please. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool because what I've done too is they they saw my Survival Strong program. So what I did was I loaded up all the modules of Survival Strong, like my you know my level one program, and you know uh, they have it. Um, they, they signed a contract with several companies. I forget all of my, I got them right now, but one of them is Michael Kors. And all the employees of Michael Kors are now using my program. Oh, that's super Access cool. My program, yeah. I'm doing a couple other things, unique stuff with them too. Um, I, I actually took my whole martial arts curriculum, all the stand-up part, and I put it into different segments. Um, you have to send me a link to that. Yeah, yeah I will. I'll it's, have to it's check cool. that out. It's really cool, and I'll 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 email you with uh, Ricky's information, the guy who uh, you know, recruits everybody. That's awesome. Hey, Phil, we're we're coming up already on an hour and a half, so we're gonna start winding this down. Crazy! Yeah. I knew this was gonna fly by. <laughs> I know, we said um, like we usually do. Is there anything you want to hit upon before we start to wind this down? Yeah, guys, you know, if um, one is a you know, check out book Survival Strong, check out 
um, my book, Ferocious Fitness. Check out the Kettlebell Workout Library, both in DVD and uh, uh, online subscription. There's over 100 kettlebell workouts on it. Um, definitely check out Knife or Death. I'll tell you, it was one of the coolest experiences in my life. I hope that they like me. I hope that they're going to ask me back again because I would definitely do it. And man, you know, it's a whole different season, man. The challenges are wild. It's, I met some really cool people there. You know, the whole Facebook thing. Here I am talking to some guy from Oregon, another one from Alaska, another one from, you know, wherever, who knows. And uh, it was, uh, you know, just, just, a, just a whole lot of fun. And I will tell, tell you this, that, you know, if you want to do something, do it, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, I look back at, you know, where I've come in my life and that I was able to, you know, kind of change things dramatically. You know, I, I had my studio for a long time, but I just did it as a hobby until 2003. I used to work in corporate America and then I went full bore with it. And, um, you know, it was, it was a rough period. You know, if you ever read the, uh, you know, the, the, I did the 30 years and going strong thing for Dragon Door, the article, um, you know, and not everything was, um, you know, sunshine and uh, unicorns and rainbow, <laughs> you know, I had some, had some really dark, dark moments, but you know what, you persevere through it. And I'll tell you my martial arts training, my fitness training, that kind of kept me in perspective. And, um, you know, I'm just happy where I'm at. I wouldn't want it to be any other way. And uh, just, you know, when you see some out there, give it a shot, give it a shot. That's awesome. Uh, folks, Phil's a really good dude. I, I think it comes across on this. Uh, you, you should look, look into his stuff. He's also, he's a fun cat to have a drink with. Uh, <laughs> this is the, uh, an important question though. Yeah. Favorite Judas Priest song? Oh, Delivering the Goods. Favorite Judas Priest album? I got to say, gosh, oh man. It's, it's always between Hellbent for Leather and, and uh, British Steel. Yeah, it's a hard one. That new one is surprisingly good, though. I'm forgetting the what? name of the, the new one that just came out. Oh, my God. Firestar? Oh, my God. Surprisingly awesome. good. I know. It's like uh, uh, Halls of Valhalla. I mean, oh, man. I mean. We, we were teaching that RKC that I mentioned earlier. And then for this, for like the grad workout, we threw on some Judas Priest. And you should see how friggin' fired up Phil got for it. It was amazing. Um, hey, I still do. <laughs> tell the listeners where they can find you. Okay, find me philross.com, kettlebellking.com. Um, find me on the Burn Along uh, website. Uh, they have a URL and they have a uh, you know um, an app for that as well. Um, yeah, I'm actually I actually have some kettlebell stuff on uh, on an iTunes app as well. I forgot about that. I got a whole bunch of things going on. Did you there. do that with Nick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick's a good dude. He's a good dude, man. I think I suck and I spaced out and never reached back out to him about that. Oh, shoot. My bandwidth gets like real narrow sometimes. Oh, I, know. It's crazy sometimes. I, I have the best of intentions and it's just, there's, I know. So I tell people, say so you got to keep in mind because my intentions are great. It's just that sometimes I just, you know, squirrel. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it, it's tricky too. Cause you teach several courses like I do. And it's like, so you have your base business, you have your family life, and then you're trying to set up hosting, promoting and traveling and doing yeah, that. Yeah. It's crazy. And uh, I, I really try every, you know, I'm pers- consistently trying to get, better at, at covering all of that yeah. um hey phil can you tell the listeners to die mighty die mighty <laughs> hell yeah uh <laughs> thank you everybody for listening phil thanks for coming on the show Happy, brother. stay tuned for next week yeah one week from today october 3rd is the premiere of knife or death season two 
Garcia on history. The Coach Fury podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.